0: together and in our hearts and minds we pray. Amen. Please do sit down and uh, if you've got a Bible on the way, I'm just going to make myself a little bit more space, and um, if you've got a Bible on the way, in, we're going to look together, I suspect for the last time until next year, um, a little bit of the Christmas story, uh, page 966, page 966. Here's one of the many bits of the Christmas story that we think we know And then find that we don't. Part of the Christmas story that has been so overlaid with uh, a combination of sort of Victoriana um, and uh, endless nativity plays and things like Amal and the Night Visitors, for those of you who remember that, uh, that we start to lose track of what's actually here and what's part of the sort of layers that have been added on. And if any part of the story has been added to and uh, layer upon layer piled upon it, then this part, the visit of the Magi, as uh, Matthew calls them, definitely wins. So let me read to you Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to read the first 12 verses, page 966. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, for you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be shepherd of by people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they'd heard the king, they went on their way and the star that had, they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was and when they saw the star they were overjoyed and on coming to the house they saw the child with his mother mary and they bowed down and worshiped him then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh and having been warned in a dream not to go back to herod they returned to their country by another route this is the word of the Lord thanks be to God when you read it carefully you find that there's an awful lot that we think is going to be here that is not here those of you here on uh, the carols by candlelight evening would have heard me refer to this and um, for a start there's no mention of them being kings they're just described as major we'll come back to that in a moment we think that probably the idea of kings came from those three kingly gifts, gold and incense and myrrh. Maybe the idea of there being three of them come from that as well, three gifts. On the other hand, I hope that you gave maybe three gifts yourself to at least one person in your life, and yet there's only one of you. So we actually don't know how many magi there were, nor exactly how they were dressed. Probably not in all the finery that we like to imagine. There's also no mention of them actually following a star in the way that we imagine. I I, I suspect that if you were to close your eyes and try and imagine this bit of the Christmas story, it's a bit like a follow spot at the London Palladium. You know, that God sort of puts the follow spot on the kings and then moves a bit forward and they walk a bit further forward and the, the star sort of does this and they follow it. Actually, what they say initially is that we saw a star in the east... And that makes them go back to their charts and we'll talk about why they then make their journey. And they do talk about it somehow stopping over but there's no sort of no nothing in the text of a sort of beam of light down onto this stable. Oh and there's actually no mention of the visiting Jesus in a stable either. Almost certainly they came and visited Jesus when he was a lot older maybe when he was a toddler. That would make the most sense of Herod's command later in the chapter. To put to death all of those of a certain age he doesn't just say put to death all the the newborn infants he gives a command to put to death the slightly older boys so probably these travelers these wise travelers who see a star and make their way initially to jerusalem they, the star doesn't take them to bethlehem initially they come with their gifts they visit him when he's a little bit older they present them so why bother? Why bother with this story at this time of year? It's nearly epiphany when the church around the world remembers the visit of the Magi. Why bother with something where we're thinking, oh, well, it's maybe not as grand, maybe not as exotic. Maybe they weren't called Balthazar and Caspar and Melchior after all. We bother it with it because Matthew bothers with it. And Matthew, the writer of the Gospel, is really careful as to what he includes and what he leaves out. All the Gospel writers give every impression of having very, very carefully selected their material. One of them actually says, there is so much stuff I could write about Jesus that it would fill all the books there were to be written. But here's what I want you to know. Matthew's done exactly the same. He said, of all the things that I could tell you about the birth of Jesus, here are the things that really matter. And the visit of the Magi is one of those things so why if it's not for the grand clothes and exotic uh, smell of the east if it's not for uh, the extra um, characters around the nativity why well i think it's because matthew sees in the magi those who have received good news and have discovered something that you might have expected them to not receive as good news. They have received something that, on paper, you'd imagine would be totally irrelevant to them. See, don't forget, these are not Jews. These are not locals. These are not followers of Yahweh who live around those parts. These are astrologers from the East. And the funny thing is that every time you see this word magi, which means wise ones, stargazers, astrologers, it describes a sort of profession of reading the signs, every single other time in the whole of scripture that this word is used, or the equivalent word is used, it's used in a negative fashion. It's used to condemn something, not to praise it. In other words, here's another reason why we would be really surprised that Matthew would have put these in. Everywhere else in the Bible, magi are condemned. Well, I guess for good reason. If you're gonna follow the stars, then what you're basically saying is, the stars control my fate, not God. It's a, it's, a, it's a big statement to follow the stars. So, everywhere you look in the Bible, they talk about the stars and the astrologers, and they say, Do not follow the heavens, follow the maker of the heavens. Don't follow the stars, follow the one who put every star in place. Don't look to the heavens thinking it will give you the answers, look to the one who's at the heart of the universe, because in him are all the answers that you will ever need. And yet, Matthew chooses the magi as one of the foundation stones on which he builds his gospel why because he sees in them people who would be the last in the world to expect this god to speak to them in this way with this good news and yet that's exactly what god does in other words there is nobody in this world that has ever existed, or that will ever exist, none of our friends, none of our family, not even ourselves, for whom the birth of Jesus, his life and death and resurrection, is not really good news. But they have to receive it first. And of course, good news for one person doesn't necessarily come as cross as good news for another. We had a very, very, very long drive yesterday. I think it was 15 hours from when we um, left where we were staying to when we arrived back at about half one this morning. Um, that's not a complaint or need for sympathy. I was on holiday, so I deserve every bit of it. But it was a very long journey. And in that very long journey, you get talking about all sorts of things with four of you in the car um, and a little bit of internet access. So virtually every single headline off the BBC Sport was read out by my son. Uh, Virtually every headline off the BBC News was read out by my wife. um, And everything in between. There was one moment where my son got very, very excited. Now I've got to get this right. It was that Scarlets had beaten Ospreys. Is that the right way around? Anybody follow Pro 12 rugby? And no? Yeah, was that right, Helen? Yeah, okay. And apparently, this was very exciting, good news. I can tell looking around that you're pretty much in the same boat that I am. I was like, good. I don't, I'm sorry, this is me driving. Okay, Um, I I don't get why that's good news. His team's Ulster, you see. So for him, it's all in the same league. The the league leaders who I don't think have been beaten all season or whatever were beaten by people who hadn't beaten them for three years. It was all very exciting. Good news for him. Not really for me. It's not bad news, it's just irrelevant. It's an awful lot of our friends and family who are quite content with the fact that we go to church. They don't think it's bad news. It's just irrelevant as far as they're concerned. It's, like, it's nice for you, take the kids along, it's very sweet, it's lovely, but not for me. It's irrelevant. I guess there's other sorts of news that arrives and it's, it, it feels like, well, maybe I'm past that. Maybe that's yesterday's news. One of the emails that I got when I was sitting on the, the, uh, the, the Eurotunnel train on the way back was a, a snow alert telling me that there was a new dump of snow arriving for where we'd just been. <coughs> wasn't interested in the slightest I know that's terribly selfish of me I was just thinking no we've had our time that's nice for them it wasn't good news for me anymore that was that was the past I'm going to switch off that alert I don't want to see it anymore that it'll be sometime till I get to do it again it's the past I meet people like that too who who see the good news of Christmas as something that maybe they left behind them Maybe something that was sweet and innocent as a child, maybe something they enjoyed back then. But now, well, the reality of life has kicked in. I'm an adult now with my own responsibilities and my own stuff on my shoulders. It's sweet, it's lovely, but it's not very, well now, certainly not good news. And yet, you'd have looked at these magi and thought, "Well, how on earth does the birth of a little Jewish boy in an out-of-the-way village outside the capital city Jerusalem, hundreds of miles away from where they lived, how could that possibly be either relevant or now for them? What would make them travel all those miles? What would get them putting their kingly gifts in the dirt in front of Him? What would have these magi, these wise travellers, kneeling in the dust and worshipping him? Well, it comes down to the graciousness of God. And it teaches us a lesson about good news that I think we're going to come back to Sunday by Sunday for most of this term. And it's simply this, that God gives us good news that connects with the deepest desires of every human heart. Every human heart. Be they exotic travellers from the east, be they local shepherds out on the hills, be they a young girl, not even married yet every person has those deepest desires and the good news of jesus connects with the deepest desires of every heart so for the magi what they sought was wisdom that was what the magi were about they sought in the stars for the wisdom of the ages. They, they watched the stars carefully. We're, we're, we're relatively confident that what they saw that night was a conjunction of two planets. It happened three times over one particular year. It happened in May, and I think in September, and again in November. I think it was Jupiter and Saturn. I'm not great at my astronomy, but those who've studied these things say that there was a very bright conjunction, an unusual conjunction of two planets. And for them, that will have meant everything they will have looked up their charts they'd have um, read as much as they could what does it mean we want wisdom we want to know that was their deepest desire that's what drove them what drives you what one thing today gets you up in the morning what's the thing that if everything else is stripped away you most want you most desire that shapes you that drives you God doesn't say to us, until you have put aside all your own desires, I'm not prepared to speak to you. He speaks to us as we are. These magi were doing something that was explicitly condemned in Scripture. Do you get it? Scripture in several places says you're not to do what they were doing. But God doesn't say to them, I'm not going to talk to you until you've stopped that. More than that, he speaks to them through the very thing that is condemned in Scripture it's astonishing god doesn't doesn't stand if you like back and hold his nose and say well that stinks i'm going nowhere near it god knows that that is what their heart is set on it's set on wisdom and the doorway to wisdom for them was through the stars and so incredibly god speaks to them through the stars god speaks to people through their deepest desires that's what's got you here you may have turned up at church some years ago or today for all i know with all sorts of mixed motives I know that I came to faith because I love my mum and dad. Is that particularly spiritual? Well, it's a good thing. But as a child, I came to faith because my mum and dad were believers in Jesus and followers of him. So, of course, I wanted to believe the same they did. Does God frown on that and say, well, that's not real faith because you came to it through this? No. God spoke to me through the deepest desires of my heart as a child, which was to be a bit like my mum and dad. Some people come to church because of the deep desire for community, to belong. Somewhere that is beyond their family, that that knits them together, that makes them feel they matter, that they belong. God speaks to us through that desire. Some of us come because we simply want meaning. We want purpose. And we think we'll find it, well maybe we'll find it in a church. The wonderful thing that the scriptures tell us again and again and again, that God doesn't judge our motives through which he speaks to us god doesn't look at the door that's ajar and go no i'm not going through that door we've got to wait until a really nice spiritual proper door opens up god takes his chances god steps in through any open door that we leave for him god will speak to us however we're prepared to listen for the magi it was through something that's explicitly condemned in scripture reading the stars but he spoke can you believe that god will speak to your friends this term this year to your family maybe even to your heart are you waiting for that moment where you or they become properly spiritual and then God can act because the Bible says that God just speaks he loves to communicate he loves to nudge that door ajar and if you're feeling in your own heart something that is drawing you to God go with that because the next step that the Magi actually had to do was literally a next step They saw in the star, or in the stars, or in these planets that that came together, something that connected with their deepest desire for wisdom, and they were prepared to step out and investigate. Now, on the face of it, that's not terribly surprising. There was a rumour that went around, and you can read this in plenty of non-religious historical writers of that day, that there was a rumour that a ruler would come out of Judea and uh, there was a conjunction of planets I think it was at the death um, of Julius Caesar that is written up uh, in histories of the time and basically was payday for astrologers for the next few hundred years because it sort of proved as far as they were concerned that the birth and death of emperors of kings would be marked by great um, sort of events in the heavens so by the time um, all of this was happening this stuff was meat and drink to astrologers the rumor of a king the conjunction of two important planets you head for the east you head for judea that's where the rumors were but the big step was that they were prepared to ask for more they went to jerusalem they went to herod and they asked they said where is this king to be born in other words they didn't just rely on their own desires and their own knowledge they were prepared to step beyond it they were prepared to see that there was more to life than they already knew and if you like when God makes the first move towards us our response has to be that more than anything else simply humility if my greatest desire is for wisdom and God nudges me through that I have to be prepared to acknowledge that I don't have all wisdom but I need to know more if my greatest desire is for community and I begin to discover in the the body of the church there's community here i need to be willing to step a bit beyond that say is there more to it than simply nice people being nice together and they do they listen to these words from the scriptures but you bethlehem and the land of judah are by no means least among the rulers of judah for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people israel see god speaks to everyone but not everyone is willing to step forward and ask for more Not everyone is willing to be humble enough to ask. To say that sense that I've got in my heart that maybe there's more to life than meets the eye. Is there? How am I going to find out? How am I going to discover and explore? And when they do, they find themselves in Bethlehem. Maybe in somebody's home by this stage. In front of a little child with their kingly gifts and then something happens that if you like is the last bit of the jigsaw because God can speak we can be willing to listen but there is a last bit that God has to do and that is the work of his spirit that gets them kneeling in the dust and worshipping for who in their right minds even with all the stars in heaven would kneel in front of a little baby boy in a little house, house in a little out-of-the-way village in Bethlehem and would present kingly gifts. And again, throughout Scripture, what you find is that God, by his Spirit, makes that final move for us yeah we're doing our searching searching for wisdom searching for community searching for meaning and purpose in life yes we open up ourselves a little bit to god we say well i'm going to find out a bit more i'm going to do some discovering i'm going to do some digging some reading some asking i'm going to come to church i'm going to find out more but in the end it's a work of god's spirit that gets us kneeling in the dust and presenting the best that we have before him we can't do it by ourselves these three wise travelers or how many of them where were We're never going to get there on their own. But as they knelt, as they worshipped him, as it says in verse eight, that they were going to do, as they worshipped him, they found the wisdom they had been looking for. All their searching of the stars was over and they'd found it in the dust at their very feet. All that longing for purpose and meaning they'd found in this little baby born to live and die and be born again they'd found good news really truly good news not an irrelevance for somebody else in a far-off country not something for their childhood or for people who are a bit soft but strong hard-edged real good news that would transform their lives and transform our lives too I wonder who you're going to be praying for this year 2015 Who will you pray for this year? In your family, amongst your work colleagues, amongst your neighbours, your friends? Who will you pray for that God will speak to them through the desires of their hearts? Maybe their desire for family, their desire for community, their desire for wisdom or meaning or purpose. Who will you pray for that God will speak to them? And who will you pray for that they will have the courage to do that journey? to ask to search and then who will you pray for that god will by his spirit have them kneeling in worship and if that you're not there yet if you're still on that journey of these wise travelers if you're still wondering do you have the courage in 2015 to say to god do that in me Bring me to my knees. If this is true, if this is real, if this is good news, I don't want to wait any longer. I don't want to be in the desert wandering. I want to find the one who was born for me. And I want this year to be the year that I give my very best to the King born to live and die and rise again for me. Don't put it off any longer. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for these wise travellers. Thank you that you spoke to them through the desires of their hearts. Thank you that you nudged open that door and that you set them on that journey of discovery. And thank you that you gave them the courage by your Holy Spirit to ask and to search and most of all to kneel. And in our hearts, Lord Jesus, we kneel before you. We give to you the very best that we can give for you this year and we pray that in 2015 we would be those who have found in you the wisdom we need to live by and the purpose we need to live for. And we ask for our friends and family that they too would find themselves spoken to and called and loved by you. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing our final song together.